Hello, Internet. This is just Dale. Actually, no, it's not. Derek's not with me, but instead I have with me Tyler and Kem from Subspace Transmissions. Hey, hey what's going on? It's uh, beautiful to be on the show. What is Subspace Transmissions, Dale? It is a Star Trek podcast. Which you've guessed it on. You're a magnificent <laughs> guest, and I want to thank you so much for doing it. Oh, no problem. Uh, I love being there. I learned so much about Star Trek. And every time I leave, I'm like, I probably should know more about Star Trek. Yeah, you know what? Cam <laughs> says the exact same thing to me. I go home and read Wikipedia pages all night. Yeah. 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 Just buff up for it. Oh, yeah. Nice. At the gym. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I got to ask you, uh, how did you and Derek decide that you guys wanted yeah. to do a podcast like Outrage Factory? This is something that I've been wondering uh, for a while. Well, basically, we wanted to do a podcast because we want people to pay attention to us. Because we probably have baggage we should otherwise deal with, but we're not going to. So why not record a podcast and try to get attention that way? I think the original kernel for <clears throat> Outrage Factory was me and Derek were arguing on Twitter about something. And then he was like, oh, man, we argue. And then it would be fun if people could listen to us argue about stuff all the time. And then... We kind of just realized, like, we've been doing it almost two, oh, two years almost exactly. I think in another couple of weeks, it'll oh, be two congrats. years. Yeah. Well, wait, wait. You made us come on right before the two-year anniversary <laughs> instead of the two-year? Yeah. Uh. Well, I wanted to get you guys on before Valentine's Day so that. Wait, wait. You well, wanted obviously. us on before <laughs> Valentine's Day, well, not on Valentine's well, Day? Well, that way, if there's any single Outrage Factory listeners out there that uh, you know. No, you got no I don't know. <laughs> You guys got pretty sexy voices. You yeah. could uh, keep someone company. Speaking of which, whenever I jump on a podcast, I have guests on, and I'm not necessarily sure who's who. I I, I wish everybody would announce, I'm Tyler, and here's my voice. Right. Uh, so I'm doing that right now. Okay. This is Tyler. I I'm uh, I've got the sultry sort of voice, the uh, the smoky husky sort of voice here. Uh, let's listen to the uh, high pitched uh, Cam Smith now. Hi, I'm I'm also Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> now this is Cam, yeah, also from uh, the podcast Tyler's On, Subspace Transmissions. So now there better not be any sort of confusion moving forward for the listeners who yeah. have to listen to us instead of uh, one Derek. I, I like how it takes two people to match Derek oh, in his absence. Don't, don't Th let him That's a sign of that. a great ho uh, co-host. Oh, no, guys, no. We can replace Tyler no. with a monkey. <laughs> well, no, on, uh, on weeks that I can't make it, we just canceled the podcast. Oh, yeah. you know, it's, just, it's not even worth doing at this point. I just point. have a button that says yes or no. <laughs> well, I, 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 I just, agree with you, Cam. I kind of got to roll you guys back in because I don't want Derek to get a big head about okay. how oh, okay. Okay. deep of a hole he left by not being on here. Yeah. And, yeah. and how I'm barely throwing it together. I mean... If you guys heard the intro song before this, then I learned how to put the intro song in. But if you haven't, then mm. I guess you're going to miss Derek even more. Because <laughs> okay. he's usually the one who does that. I totally should have serenaded all of our listeners with an intro song that I just mm -hmm. made up on the fly. Yeah, like an impromptu theme song? Yeah. You know, nice. It goes a little something like this. <laughs> Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Oh, that's whatever. copyright infringement. <laughs> oh, oh, now we're going to have to be taken off. You don't mess with Marvel and Disney. <laughs> yeah. So, well, usually what we do is we have a couple subjects that we want to talk about. And one of that, I think, was, uh, yeah, you, Tyler, threw it into the uh, grab bag. And I want to talk about this because I've spent probably a couple episodes of this podcast worth 
dishing about how much I love Will Smith. Oh, okay. okay. Why? And, uh, because based on what movies? <laughs> uh, every single movie except for Six Degrees of Separation. That's the one you don't like. That's, that's the, the one, one that's actually I supposed to be pretty don't good. Like. It's yeah. it's. So you were like watching Hancock, and you're like, "This is gold." I love Hancock. <laughs> collateral damage. I, I was like, a collateral beauty. <laughs> you know what's better than a Concussion. superhero? A drunk superhero. <laughs> you're like, Tell the truth. <laughs> yeah, no, I I just want to point out that I didn't not like Six Degrees of Separation because I have anything about the relationship that happened in that movie it was with more uh, Ke- uh, kevin bacon who is separated by six degrees yeah it, it was that or <laughs> will smith's boyfriend that they did it to be honest i've never seen it oh yeah it's not like i good reviews though it's a very slow-paced movie is it okay and it's about um, i like it then i'm very boring yeah uh, you're proving that to the listeners right now <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah so uh i bring up will smith because they released a trailer for the upcoming Aladdin movie, and Will Smith is going to be the genie, yeah. which yeah, yeah. I'm all gin for. Okay, I got you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Are we just going to let ob- that one pause for a second to sink in? Obscure <laughs> genie uh, pun there. Do you think it's a genius casting move? <laughs> uh, I do, in fact. My favorite sentence about all of the casting was, I was reading through the story, and um, oh god, what's the director's name? The guy who did Snatch. Oh, Guy Ritchie. Yeah, yeah. Guy Ritchie's directing. Snatch. You Aladdin. mean Swept Away? Did he? Swept Away is the one yeah. that I think everyone oh. knows him for. <laughs> wow. Okay, Sherlock. <laughs> the guy who directed Swept Away. Yeah. <laughs> as Cam liked to point out, but uh, yeah, he's the one directing, and he said he wanted Will Smith to look like a 1970s dad genie. Yeah, and he said kind of buff though, and I think it's interesting kind of, because you but know, still soft, but still soft. So, um, so what, what's the outrage here though? Like, I like. What? Well, the outrage kind of started a while ago because people wanted to see the genie. They wanted to see what the genie would look like. Will Smith's a pretty, you know, it's an A-lister. It's a kind of a very iconic actor stepping mm-hmm. into a role made famous by Robin Williams. So, like, what is Will Smith going to be like? And so the first reveal they got was that Entertainment Weekly cover where it was Will Smith without any sort of blue. And it was just, like, Will Smith with a really bad top knot. And people mm-hmm. freaked the heck out. And so finally wait, – wait, wait, wait. It's the exact same top knot that Dale has. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't believe you're insulting the guy who would bring us on the show. Hey, guys. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> but so then finally, you know, the fans got their wish. Disney mm-hmm. put out that clip with the Blue Genie and – it is a horror show that looks like it escaped from a 1998 blockbuster where CG had just, you know, come into play. What, what, so, what was your reaction to it, Dale? Like, I, ha- I actually haven't watched the trailer. I'm going to okay. oh, wow. <laughs> admit yet again that I haven't done my research. But uh, even from the still picture, I was looking at it and I was like, did they just CGI Will Smith's face on a blob? Like, mm-hmm. it kind of... I hope there's a lot of post-production touch-ups to that. The face of Will Smith is, like, floating on top of this CG abomination. Like, it's mm-hmm. – I mean, people always like to freak out about bad CG in trailers. And then you see the movie, and it's like, it's all right, you know, because generally they've got months to, you know, work out the yeah. kinks. But just from a design point of view, it's really – iffy like i think it's once again pointing out why animation was the ultimate medium for that story in the first place can i take kind of the the counter position here okay in that like what else did 
anyone think that this was going to look like. It looks exactly how I imagined it in my <laughs> head when they announced that Will Smith was going to play the genie in Aladdin. Yeah. It, it, like, this is exactly what I pictured it. So I see all this outrage online, and I kind of shrugged. I was like, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Like, the, nothing about yep. this surprised me whatsoever. But I guess, for, you know, when I see, say, like, they're doing a CG Dumbo, and I see Dumbo, and I go, you know what, that looks pretty good. Sure. I look at the Will Smith genie, I'm like, that's off-putting to look at. I thought it was going to look off-putting when they announced it. <laughs> it like, they're meeting my Will expectations. Will Smith's a very attractive man, Tyler. If anything, a blue Will Smith should have been, you know, I think, one step I even think better. any blue human being, like, in a movie like this playing a floating genie with magic powers, it's going to look, like, disturbing, and they're living yeah. up to what I thought it was going to be. It is full-blown Uncanny Valley. It really is. It, it, it looks bizarre it looks kind of like you know the rock in the uh what was it the mummy returns where he oh, played the scorpion that king. it's was like terrible. it's not that bad because of course that's like 2001 or something like that but it's close it's definitely yeah. you know it belongs in that ancestral tree <laughs> do you guys how do you guys feel about the facial hair like in the cartoon yeah the 90s dad goatee looked all right but on will smith i think that for me, that's most of it. Wait, like, you, I love everything except what the we goatee. think of your facial hair? <laughs> <laughs> we think it's very attractive. No. Yeah. Guys, don't worry. We, all, we already complimented your <laughs> yeah. top knot. Yeah. The audience is already fully aware that I can't grow facial hair. So <laughs> sorry to step I, on the joke. I but. can't either, really. But, um, I mean, I don't have any sort of issue with the facial hair. I, yeah. I'm curious, though, Dale, like, how do you feel about these live-action Disney remakes? Yeah. Oh, all in. Yeah? Like, okay. I'm I usually get lashback from nerds because I'm any remake you want to make do it because mm -hmm. all I want is the movies I already love with better effects <laughs> and new actors like but the I, effects are often worse <laughs> yeah that's, that's true. true well it's cartoon to um live action so sure by default you can't really compare them but yeah no I was kind of like what's been your favorite so far favorite remake yeah Robocop. Okay. What about the Disney stuff? Yeah. The live action uh, stuff. Have yeah. you seen The Jungle Book? I love that one. Yeah, I think that's probably the best. I watched The Jungle Book, but then I watched, uh, there was The Tale of Mowgli or something. It was. Oh, right, right. <laughs> that was way better. Oh, really? you like the, the Netflix film? Okay. Yeah. The Andy Serkis movie. That one yeah. didn't get very good reviews, though. Yeah, I Jungle kinda, Book got great reviews. If you go by reviews, I have terrible taste in movies. Okay, okay. So uh, I'm going to give you more nerd backlash. Yeah. Uh, I disagree with your choices here, Dale. <laughs> okay. I am very much used to people disagreeing with it. I think. No, what... you're not. <laughs> uh, I think one of the other things that. I think Guy Ritchie should just release a press release and be like, with the trailer. Or with the guy, movie, guy release Yeah, <laughs> when the movie comes out, we will give everybody a time machine so you can be ten years old again when you first watch this. Sure. So then you'll like it as much as the original. No, Aladdin. that that's Guy Pierce. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a movie like this though, it's kind of like the live action remakes that have come out that maybe weren't great, like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. All it does is make people take their kids, and then they walk out and they're like, eh, you know what? Let's show my kids the animated movie, and then the kids have that one in their life. So I'm like, you know what? They don't probably aren't going to revisit the live action one down the road anyway, so who kind of mm -hmm. cares? But I do find it fascinating this Aladdin movie, just because 
every year, I think, Tyler, you and I see a lot of movies. Um, there's like a movie that comes out. It's a big budget movie where the marketing just falls flat on every conceivable level. We saw that with like a Terminator Genesis a few years ago. And I think we're seeing it again with Aladdin where it's like everything they're doing is just not working. Oh, and so I, it gets interesting at this point because this is where the flop sweat kicks in and they just start going crazy. I think this movie is going to make a ton of money. Oh, it's going to make money for sure. Yeah. yeah. Dude, Guy Ritchie slow-mo Aladdin flipping around the Arabian streets. Mm-hmm. Like I was tepid on this. Like I heard Aladdin coming out. And I was like, eh. And then I was like, oh, Will Smith's going to be the genie? Well, sure. I'm obviously going to see it because of that. And then I heard Guy Ritchie was directing it. And I was like, oh, now I actually want to see this. Yeah. Honestly, I think like after Beauty and the Beast, which made a ton of money, mm-hmm. like a billion dollars worldwide. Yeah, mm-hmm. people hear the word Aladdin live action remake. They, like it's uh, opening I, May. Yeah, like yeah. I, I don't think they're gonna. The marketing could be get worse, and I yeah. think a lot of people are just gonna bring their kids anyway. Like I think this is mm-hmm. like I think guaranteed to be like it could be another billion dollar movie. Like I There's wouldn't be shocked. A couple interesting factors though, in that it's opening in May. And they've got Lion King coming in, like, like coming out two months later. It's kind yeah. of a buffer. And yeah. also, Disney's bombed on that May release slot, like, a number of times now with, like, Alice Through the Looking Glass and Tomorrowland. I know you know about Alice. Uh, I've seen them all, bom- man. Well, it, it bombed, and that we have a summer movie wager bet, and Cam <laughs> bet big on it. and <laughs> <laughs> I lost that year. Uh, well, does it still sting a bit? Yes. Well, it, it's mostly because uh, me and Cam's sister just mock him mercilessly over yeah. him picking. did you pick that as number one no i think i had it at like number three or something it was, like that. It was yeah. pretty high yeah. <laughs> and like what did it finish like number 25 uh, the no summer? it wasn't that low yeah. i think it was probably number like 12 or 13 or something uh, I don't but know. it was a bomb <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so maybe we should keep talking do you guys have anything else to say before we move uh, that, on that, that summarizes subject? my thoughts yeah. on uh, I the, mean, the blue genie controversy i guess the only other thing is i think will smith's just an odd choice in the sense like robin williams brought like comic invention to that he's a mm-hmm. you know a stand-up comedian who has the ability to improvise on the spot and come up with really genius stuff yeah will smith doesn't really and well, so i'm kind of like i don't really know what that's what this is i'm curious to see yeah the, it's weird with the uh, robin williams because when they cast robin williams i don't think they had in mind what was going to happen like mm. that role a lot of people point to because that's where superstars started doing voices for cartoons because it just turned around and looked so well and it helped relaunch Robin Williams' career, which was kind of stagnant well, at that point. Are, are you saying Robbie Benson isn't a superstar? Who? <laughs> from Little Mermaid. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, or uh, DJ's boyfriend from Full House. Right, right. <laughs> Scott Wiener. Yep. Is that his name? That's his name. Huh. He's not. The guy who send pictures of no, it is not. That's a different wiener. <laughs> that is a different one. <laughs> oh, I get my wieners confused. Yeah. Uh, my la- my last question for you guys with regards to Aladdin. Uh, do you think Will Smith is contractually obligated to pull a Men in Black or a Wild Wild West and perform a song in it? Maybe oh, getting genie with it. I oh, oh boy, I hope so. But I'm, when's the last time he did that? Was it Men in Black Two? We're talking like 20 years ago. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while. I mean, I would hope so. I, I'd certainly yeah. I was very disappointed there was no song in Bright. Well. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that was the least of my problems yeah. with Bright. <laughs> oh, really? You didn't like that movie? No. Guess what? I loved it. <laughs> Surprise. Okay. I liked a movie people hate. Um, so next, let's uh, kind of keep it in movies. And 
there's a I'm gonna go back to Tyler. Sorry, Cam. We'll get yeah, yeah. to your no, go nuts. dump ins next. But uh I wanna talk about the Liam Neeson controversy. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want anything bad too bad to happen to Liam Neeson because I want him to play a movie where he lo- where he's Abraham Lincoln. Because if you look at a picture of beardless Abraham Lincoln, it looks ex- exactly like Liam Neeson. Well, I he think was the su- ship maybe sailed on yeah, that. Yeah, he was supposed to star in Spielberg's Lincoln. Yeah. But that project oh, really? got delayed for so many years <sighs> that eventually he just aged out of it. Yeah. Okay, so if anybody just wants to dress Liam Neeson up as Abraham Lincoln and take a picture, that'll probably be good enough for or, me. Or, you know, you could do like an alternative universe where he was never assassinated right uh-huh. and became a vampire hunter and <laughs> i think they made that movie already too <laughs> well then i guess i've got no good ideas <laughs> well see the thing about abe was even though he died younger than liam neeson is now he looked older than liam neeson it's is now what yeah people look like back in the day yeah so they didn't age too well back then yeah no so this neem uh Liam Neeson controversy. Liam <laughs> <laughs> Neeson controversy. So it, just for those who don't know, I mean, like, he is on a press tour. He says some horrible thoughts that were in his head 40 years ago, which, like, he fantasized about attacking, you know, black people after hearing about, like, a vicious assault on his friend. And these are horrible thoughts to share, but they were in his head. Well, and he did he made go it, out looking for people, though, yeah, to be and, to attack him. And, and he made it very clear, though, this was something that he, you know, did forty years ago. Yeah. Wait, is and taken based on real events? No, no. not you. Like, but um, so he did this like forty years ago, yeah. and he even said during this interview, like, but you know, clearly, I don't think this way or would ever do anything like this again so like there's two things going on here why on earth would liam neeson share this yeah like, yeah that's that, just like, gonna say why did this come up i i don't know like did, it, it just seems like such a bizarre thing to share was he like i got a milkshake duck myself on this <laughs> i don't get it i have a real uh, this is something tyler and i often joke about and or just kind of discuss is well, the we fact don't that joke about racial n- not uh, about that part no no more yeah. of the sense of like <laughs> What is the point of press tours? Uh, what yeah. is the point of movie press tours at this point in time? You don't even hear anything about them unless someone says something stupid, which happens yeah. more and more as you get, you know, some of these aging actors out there and people ask them about, you know, subjects re- pertaining to current contemporary society, mm-hmm. you know, social mores. Uh, and so, like, what do they have to contribute that's that's going to, you know, really aid the movie in any way? Well, what they do is when you go see a movie and yeah. they show a clip of a guy sitting in a chair, that's the only thing I see thanking, from these press thanking tours. Thanking us for going to see yeah, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming out, guys. Yeah. Honestly, if I were an actor, and I don't have anything that would be negative to say or that would be offensive to say, but it would just be like, you know what? Just sign me up for everything where I have to go do like a game show skit on like a night on like a talk show yeah. and like the or like wacky Q and A's yeah. on like you know, wired or something like that. Like, just get me to do that stuff. I don't want to have sit downs for two hours with a, you know, journalist. I do like your question because maybe it's just like the uh, marketing teams behind these movies are a little behind the times. Whereas like anybody who wants to know anything about a movie can just go look. Yeah. And it's not like people are stumbling upon movies because they're seeing commercials or interviews for them. Um, I could see maybe doing like daytime television to kind of get like the elderly, not as online generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they go to that, those taken movies uh, 
quite yeah. a bit. Because uh, if anybody wants to watch Liam Neeson, I'm thinking it's the type of oh, – I'm trying to figure out how to say this as non-offensive uh, as possible. But uh, basically old ladies who don't have jobs and are at home <laughs> during the day want to watch a movie with hunky Liam Neeson. I mean, I don't know. I'd be very curious to see the demographic split. I actually think it would be more male uh, audience. I think that if you look at probably the demographics of the attendees, my guess is it's older men. Yeah. That's probably my guess. I think there's probably some polling base that would probably give us that information that I don't have in <laughs> it's, front of me. It's a lot of uh, Abe Lincoln impersonators. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I th- you know, I think he is kind of that dad action hero fantasy type for older guys. And You mean grandpa? Yeah. Yeah, he is a grandpa. Although he plays dads in movies usually, you know, yeah. it's the if you're 65 in a Hollywood movie now, you're playing like maybe 40 something. But yeah. uh, you know, I I don't really know what they seek to appeal to with these press tours. It's just I don't know, and it's weird because I you know the movie we is you know we should say is Cold Pursuit. It just came out last weekend. It did not do particularly well. Um, I mean, his last few of these action movies haven't done that well anyway, but. I, I don't know that appealing to these like are doing like long extensive interviews with journalists over a movie like this is really worth their time or effort. No. Yeah, I remember when we saw the TV teaser for uh, Cold Pursuit when we were watching Discovery. Um, yeah, which is the reason I was guest starring on their podcast to begin with. And you said it's a lot. Did you say zany or just weird? A lot zanier than it looks. Um, yeah, no, not. that is true. Yeah, it, at that point I hadn't seen it, but yeah, the rumors were it was a lot, you know, more kind of weird and comedic. Did it, you watch? It's it? like a I, I we, we left it. Uh, Cam and I went and saw it the other day. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we we walked out and I, I turned to him. I was like, I just felt like kind of a, a poor man's you know Coen Brothers ripoff. Mm, like that's yeah. kind of what I felt. Was it zany enough? Yeah, it's definitely zanier than your typical Liam Neeson action because oh, I think a lot of them are actually kind of generic. Yeah. yeah, and this was not a generic movie. No, and, and I'll give it that. I mean, you had very distinct characters throughout. Very specific tone that was, you know, definitely a little odd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, like I, I wasn't exactly blown away. I thought it had like an interesting premise, but um, <laughs> what was the premise? Just tell uh, me, like, uh, Le- I'm Liam, Liam Neeson seeks revenge for his son that was killed within the first two minutes of the movie. Right. So it's like that um, Kevin Bacon movie. Oh, and he's a snowplower. Where, oh, so instead of, of death hockey dad, he's yeah. a snowplow guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind Wait, of. does he kill people with a snowplow? You have to uh, watch to find out. Yeah, I'm not on the spoil fence. That one. I might have to see this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh wait, I get it. That's the whole cold part is because he's. That's like, right. Oh. It's a cold it, pursuit. It's not a hot pursuit. <laughs> yeah. That'll be the sequel. So basically, <laughs> basically, if his son gets killed in summer, he's like, "Oh, I wish I could do something, but I've got to wait a couple months. Pretty much yeah. Yeah. for yeah. this to be can't, thematically can't make his correct. getaway on his yeah. uh, snowplow." Does he make a getaway? Is there a high-speed chase with a snowplow, and he maybe rubs up against cars, and then there's, like, a lady screaming? He does use his snowplow in some of his little missions. He goes on a lot of little missions throughout the film. So Wait, when you say he uses a snowplow, yeah. we're not talking anything. He doesn't do cocaine, no. No, I was thinking about <laughs> uh, what the ladies really want to see from Liam, from Liam Neeson, Neeson. No. his little snowplow. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! Uh, no, not in uh, oh, no, not in this well, movie. <laughs> you have to wait. <laughs> that's good. I didn't want to see that anyway. <laughs> Whatever. Thanks for not pulling it out, Liam Neeson. So, um, oh yeah, I wanted to just say, like, when you got when I hear 
elderly actor in trouble racially. I'm like, did he say the N word? Right. This, luckily, he didn't because the shitstorm would have been so much worse. He he did not pull a Vigo Mortensen. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, it, it's just I don't condone anything he said. I think it was, inc- I mean, it's he was just dead wrong in everything he thought and mm-hmm. said. But you know, the thing is, he did say at the time he went to talk to his priest about it. He talked to friends about his feelings. I, it's not up for me to forgive him. It's up for the community that was offended by this, that was actually hurt by it, to decide whether they want to forgive him. Yeah, because ultimately, you know. Spoiler alert, you know, don't. Yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so it's up to, you know, basically the public at large to decide, do they want to pay for his movies? That's what determines, you know, if Liam Neeson's going to continue. But I just I just don't understand why his handlers or what have you. Liam Neeson said a few dumb things. This isn't the first time. Yeah. And it's like, why are they just saying, like, yeah, yeah, you know, go, go nuts, Liam Neeson. Like, Does you he, know, a lot of money's on yeah. the line, not just with, you know, the movie. Liam Neeson is Liam Neeson, whatever. But, like, there's a lot of people that work on the movie who have a mm-hmm. financial stake in it. And he kind of drags all of them down with him. Yeah. So, like, why are they kind of just letting this guy go and toss these comments off yeah, the Yeah, exactly. It's just stupid. Does he have anything coming out that might get yanked? Um, well, he's in Men in Black uh, International coming out this summer. Oh. I don't think he'll be on that press tour. That would be my guess. Uh, correction, I'm more excited no, no, for he, he a new Men in Black that little movie. red pen. <laughs> <laughs> Tries to make everyone forget about he his He wishes comments. that existed. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That could be a very awkward conversation. I just want to point out that I'm very excited for another Men in Black movie. Are you? Yeah. Will Smith's you, not you in like, this one. Yeah, you like your remakes. I, is it a remake or is it a continuation? No, I think it's a continuation in that universe. Well, Chris Hemsworth. Within that universe, but it's yeah. kind of like... Uh, it, it's essentially a reboot, you know, different characters mm, in yeah. the same sort of premise. All in. How original. Aliens, secret societies, in. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be a very movie-heavy episode because we, – We really have nothing else to do with our lives. <laughs> hey, that's fine. Yeah. I we went and saw Cold Pursuit movies. for God's yeah, sakes. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean our audience loves when I talk about politics and don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I guess they might give us some leeway. Uh, Did you next... just say uh, Niway or <laughs> Liamway? I think I said Liamway, but I <laughs> meant to say Niway. Okay. So the next thing I want to talk about is Cam's suggestion, mm. and that's uh, Brian Singer's Red Sonja reboot yeah. has been delayed because of yet. I guess it's always so hard when you're talking about what people are outraged about on the internet because you kind of want to hit every major Me Too character who gets sure. done. But then you're kind of like, are people getting upset because I keep talking about this? Should I have like a segment or like recently in Me Too news? But then it's kind of like sounds insensitive. Right. Yeah. So what happened is Brian Singer has been accused of several counts of yeah abusing young, underage men. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he this all, you know, these rumors have been around for a long time. Mm hmm. And then a, a recent report came out that really did, you know, have interviews with all these people who'd been victimized by him or been assaulted yeah. by him. And, um, you know, he, there was already, even before this came out, there was a lot of uh, uh, issues going on when they were doing the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, where he was mm-hmm. fired from the set for not even showing up, replaced with another director, Dexter Fletcher, to, to finish the movie. Brian uh, Singer's been notably absent from almost the entire rollout of Bohemian Rhapsody as well as all the awards stuff. Mm -hmm. 
but nonetheless, you know, this whole report drops, and a lot of people thought, well, this is the end of Brian Singer. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen, you know, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey. These guys have sh- been shuffled off, right? You're yeah. not seeing them out there. But Brian Singer just kept getting work, and he was signed to do this Red Sonja reboot for Millennium Films. And, you know, the the producer, Avi Lerner, who, you know, oversees Millennium, was kind of defended him and said, you know, this is fake news. Yeah. They have an agenda for wanting to take him down. And then he's kind of turned around and be like, ah, you know what, guys? Uh, let's just put oh. this Red Sonja thing on ice for a while. Yeah, he's like, and I so, don't want the microscope to come over here. Yeah. yeah. Look, I, I look at this and, and the allegations seem very credible. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder why anybody would want to be in business with Brian Singer moving forward. It uh, would also make me wonder why any actors would sign up for these movies if on these press tours, Cam. Yeah. They're going to have to keep yeah. answering questions about why yeah. would they choose to be involved with a filmmaker who's facing just these horrible accusations that seem very, very credible. I think what it, what I would say it is, is this is another Kevin Spacey situation where everybody knew what was going on and they kind of kept their mouth shut yeah. because they wanted to keep getting work. Yeah. Like the kid on yeah. Apt Pupil wouldn't have said anything because he wanted to still get acting jobs. But now that the best thing about me too is that all these people that everybody knew was doing shit, they're getting called out for it and they're like losing their jobs. But it's fascinating about Hollywood in that it seems to have this ability to attract both predators as well as people that's, you know, would have a tough time pushing back against a lot of this predatory behavior in, Um, in, as you said, it's because, you know, um, their financial well-being or, you know, their career prospects are Mm -hmm. tied very much to what these decision makers, you know, ultimately decide. And it's just kind of, you kind of suspect a lot of stuff and then you see a lot of it being uncovered and it's just even more horrifying than you suspected, you know, going back a year and a half ago. I think one of the, one of the reasons we could look at this is that people don't really want to admit is if you're in a business where your paycheck kind of depends on how much people like you and how much people want to see you normal, well-adjusted people don't really put themselves into that situation Mm. because they've dealt with their baggage and they don't want to kind of rely on the fakeness that they can produce on a whim to write their paycheck. Like people would get i guess disenfranchised with this and leave the whole situation whereas these are the type of people that are in hollywood so predators kind of i'm not saying it's okay or anything but i can see how predators can kind of pick and choose silent victim sort of deal and it's kind of horrifying the more you think about it the worse it gets and it is completely horrifying to know that all these movies that you've grown up and you've loved yeah. and all these characters you liked, like what was going on while these were being made. And it's, I mean, not, yeah, I'm a big, you know, student, I guess, of fil- film history. Yeah. I read a lot about old, you know, old Hollywood and, uh, you know, watch a lot of documentaries and all that sort of stuff. And let's just say this isn't new. Like the amount yeah. of Hollywood icons that people love and still are held up as revered golden, you know, portraits of what Hollywood used to be have a lot of skeletons in the closet. Yeah. yeah. It's just that now there's the coverage and, you know, a lot of surveillance and things like that that really expose people. But but the thing that is also concerning, though, and Cam, you and I were discussing this the other day, though, is that there is this 
sort of nature for many of these people in Hollywood to come out and try to protect their own. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, and... Well, it's kind of a band of misfits in Hollywood. Yeah. And so they kind of look out. They're all kind of the outsider kids, you know. A lot of them, mm-hmm. you know, in school were like, you know, the drama kids or what have you who wind up in Hollywood and are all kind of like, hey, now we're the ones in power or we're the ones who kind of are all banding together to, you know, put on a show and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. they don't want to kind of turn on each other. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the normal, it seems, working sort of structures that most of us do in our jobs. Right. You know, you look at yeah. a lot of the people that seem to fall prey to a lot of these predators is aspiring actors. Yeah. Acting is a brutal profession or modeling mm-hmm. or a lot of these things that where it is just an entire career built on rejection where people tell you on a daily basis, if you mm-hmm. get an audition every day, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And so it really does break you down psychologically. Yeah, and it really is. There's that old cliche of the like pervert like producer. Being oh like, yeah. Hey kid, you want to be famous? And now, yeah. like before, that was kind of just like an abstract joke. But now you think about it, and you're like, well, that's kind of rude. Well, I mean, oh, yeah. the term casting couch has yeah. entered the lexicon, and and we all know what it means. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's just like, ugh, you know. Yeah. And, and this is something that's been in the lexicon for what, like. Three, four decades? Yes. Yeah. Well, people used to, like, joke about, like, the Robert Evans era in, like, the 70s. He was a, you know, big Hollywood producer, and he was, Mm -hmm. you know, known to definitely be kind of the party producer, you know, the guy who was always throwing the swinging parties. And they would always kind of laugh about it. But you know what? Like, that sort of attitude has just continued to nowadays, and now these guys are getting nailed one after another. He would have been in the same trouble if it was the, you know, different climate back then. Yeah. Like, I'm glad. I I like what we're seeing happen in Hollywood where there's this Mm. big paradigm shift and to borrow a saying from Trump, which nobody really wants to do, but they're really (laughs) draining the swamp there and they're getting rid of all the garbage. And if it takes burning the whole like infrastructure of Hollywood right down to the ground, then fine. So be it. I'll deal with no names for a while. I'll I'll, I'll watch nothing but Russian propaganda (laughs) film. That's what the Russians want, Tyler. Yeah. They're finally, like, finally, we get to step in. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, it's like most of us can go to our job, and I would bet, you know, if most people, if they look at their job environment, you know, the majority of the people at their work are behaving pretty well. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's no excuse for it in Hollywood. Like, mm-hmm. it's all like, well, hey, we don't want to, you know, throw, you know, turn the spotlight on these people like a quote-unquote witch hunt or something. But it's like, hey – why is this person being looked at? I'm sure the majority of you are fine. Yeah. Like, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. And, like, like maybe we're just kind of spoiled because I can go to my job at the welding shop and mm-hmm. nobody's grabbing my ass. And yeah. most – yeah, that's, that's a good thing. And I like how – it might be just because that happens so much and then, like, they legislated, like, HR managers and all this stuff infrastructure for if something happens to you there's somewhere to go with your complaints and whereas you said about hollywood it's kind of like it's not the same sort of like profit type of deal where it's a structured business it's all kind of like an art form so Mm. you can't really get too much in the numbers and the p's and q's about it right all right so uh (laughs) i think we're done talking about Wait, Brian Singer. Was, Hopefully, uh, we are the, done talking about Brian yeah, Singer. Yeah. I just wanted to point out, like, one of the hard things about this is, like, Brian Singer. I haven't really heard his name in a while. I saw at pupil, but what? So, with these, I like to say, like, what are the big? What's 
basically what's Brian Singer's basic or biggest movies? Oh, the X Men movies. We would be sad if they got oh. yanked, like the back catalog. Well, I don't think they're going to yank any of them. Um, well, I, I'm not saying they are, but if they, like, what would people? Probably the usual look, suspects, yeah. as well as the X Men films. Mm. Yeah, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, one degree like, of separation. Yeah, I feel Yikes. like now though you can kind of save Usual Suspects, and the fact it was written by Christopher McQuarrie, and he's really coming to his own, so you can almost like shift who the auteur of that movie was sure. yeah. towards you know rewrite the narrative but that it's a Christopher McQuarrie they, project. They are good friends. Yeah, so that's are enough. they still? Yeah, they were yeah. good friends. Yeah, I they think. were. Yeah, I, I mean, I th- I remember when McHugh, as I call him, right, when uh, McHugh is on the uh, the press train for the last Mission Impossible movie, mm. he's talking a lot about like uh, how you know he's, he's friends with Brian Singer. You know, like yeah, like that's that's how he got into the business, and he got uh, was he like the youngest writer to ever get an Oscar for best uh, original screenplay? Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, he was very young. So it, was, it's possible. Was he like twenty five? Like, Probably. I don't even think he was. Yeah. There. Don't don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> oh That's my such god. Such a failure. Tyler. Every time I hear somebody did something in their twenties, I was like, what? Uh, no, but in all fairness, he's now like forty eight. Sure. So and go. done so much more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all those movies I recognize his name from. I mean. That kind of helps me personally because I don't recognize his name at all. So it's like, well, he's super rich and probably famous to other people, but I don't know who he is, so but I don't have to deal know, with my he, own failures. Like he's written a whole bunch of the last uh, couple Mission Impossible movies, and so directed the last uh, last two of them, and he's going to be doing the two upcoming. Mm, so not really. I haven't seen the last two, so oh, they're man. really good. Yeah, great so movies. My problem. He's with been Mission watching Robocop <laughs> on our repeat. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch the remakes from my childhood instead of these new movies. Right. My problem with Mission Impossible is I'll see a commercial. I'm like, oh, Mission Impossible. I like Tom Cruise. He does wicked stunts. I should watch that. And I'm like, wait, where did I leave this series? And I would pretty much have to rewatch the series from the beginning to remember where I jumped out. Le- Leonard Nimoy era. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be lost without catching it up probably in the 1960s. No, I think I watched the first three. Okay. How um, many is there? There's no continuity really between them up until, I guess, maybe five, six, and seven. So There's seven? There's seven, yeah. yeah. And Dude, eight and nine Lord. are coming. So, yeah. Wow. But, yeah. you know, I think if somebody dropped you into number seven, which came out last summer, I think you can watch it, follow along, and – appreciate everything that's going on is that the one where he drives the car down the stairs um i don't recall that i don't recall that either uh simon Pegg. i'm only talking about oh no you're you're thinking of rogue that's rogue nation yeah is that that number six that's five five, yeah yeah yeah. wait that wasn't last year no no i feel like i saw that trailer or some variant wait does he drive you know what it was (laughs) it's on the uh, previews (laughs) on your blu-ray for robocop That might be it. (laughs) Or it could be that all the trailers – see, this is my problem. I can't distinguish what I saw. Like I got excited. I'm like, I like Simon Pegg. Sure. I like stunts. I like cars. I'd like that movie. And then I didn't watch it. And now I'm like, that's three ago. So I obviously have to go back to at least five. Uh, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go to, you know what, four is great. Like honestly, just watch them all. They're great. Like more. I mean, I, if you're willing to rewatch that RoboCop remake, <laughs> I mean, Cam, or I'm, Bright for God's sakes. I've already got three movies homework. You're just like, why don't you just watch this other one? Here, have another one. I mean, they are Tom Cruise. Wait, does he in any of them? 
does he make a clone of himself and then have a homoerotic fisticuff with himself? Well, where he like that's spoilers. Gets really close and chokes himself. You know the upcoming Mission Impossible movies. It's two of them back to back, so. I think that's a spoiler for those movies. We'll have to discuss yeah, that at that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What movie was that? Was that was the one in space. Yeah, Oblivion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a good movie. Uh, so. I liked it. it. It was okay. Well, he had a space motorbike. It was what more do you want in a movie? No, the reason he has a space <laughs> motorbike is because Tom Cruise it, insists that he gets to ride a motorbike in every single movie that he's in. Yeah. Name one Tom Cruise movie where he doesn't have a motorbike. See, you're Far and away. <laughs> no, it was so weird when he started like uh you know smacking the horse really hard saying vroom vroom <laughs> see the thing tyler is you're telling me like that's gonna turn me off of tom cruise and i'm like that makes me like him more yeah, yeah. like well, he's insist he's like samurai <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to give a legend where he's like a woodland nymph <laughs> ripping around trees on his like motorbike even like a kawasaki at that point i think like a unicorn motorbike yeah. they're gonna do a remake and then he's gonna have like a unicorn that's a robot transformer that turns into a motorbike and that's the only way i'd like that movie more yeah yeah because legend was pretty badass uh tim curry's makeup was pretty badass oh my god right yeah pretty much the what year did that come out like 85 i think it's 86 i might be wrong on that though and they still in 33 no i think it was 86 i think it was the same year as top gun 33 years and they haven't made a better looking devil than that that's a good point. No, I yeah. don't think they have. And that's mm. like the weird thing is now that I think back about it, that's a very Guillermo del Toro looking yeah. devil. Yeah, yeah. Like if you saw Tim Curry's devil from Legend in Pan's Labyrinth, you'd be like, that seems like it should fit there. No, it, it was, a, I think, a real triumph of uh, like makeup at that point. I, yeah. I don't think it won the Oscar that year, but it probably should have. It definitely should have. Yeah. I'm not it even lost to Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that. No, That's eighty seven. Yeah. <laughs> See, when I say Close, I like the remake of RoboCop, I loved the original RoboCop. Yeah. But I'm not one of those people who gets like ah oh, nostalgia or whatever. Were you like that guy that got really angry when RoboCop flew in part three? He flew. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. yeah. No. Okay. I'm like, I have this. He weird... jumped on top of a seagull. <laughs> he had like little jet wings, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Now I remember. No, like I have this. I think I I like to call it cheese tolerance okay because when stuff when movies do things that other people deem too cheesy i'm like yeah right all the new teenage mutant ninja turtle movies i'm like bring it i love them and then the new transformers movies i'm like who wouldn't want to watch robots fight and everybody's like these movies are terrible and you know what (laughs) i liked battleship i'm just gonna say oh my god i'm gonna put it out in the world and now nobody's gonna trust me on any movie a liam neeson vehicle that was, was a Liam Neeson film, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that explains <laughs> it. Tying it all back. <laughs> See, the only thing I can remember from Battleship, besides that I liked it because there was war going on or whatever, was there was a guy with two le- fake legs yep. that were like the swords, and that the aliens looked like Linkin Park. You see, I thought they were more like MMA fighters. Yeah. They had kind of that look. Maybe Linkin Park, I don't think, are particularly tough looking. Maybe finally the mixture of both worlds. Well, I was mm. thinking more like... The, the facial hair and, and the piercings like and what have you. The baby yeah. pants and yeah. Yeah. No, I could definitely see that. They were very like the, the new metal aliens. Is that <laughs> the new metal? Dale, is that why you're dressed up like an alien from Battleship right now? 
<laughs> well, it goes well with your top knot. I was don't ruin the surprise. I was gonna save that. I'm probably the, the only person that would know what that costume is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I like talking to you because yeah. it's like when I name an obscure movie, everybody else hated, so they avoided. You hated, yeah. but still watched it. Speaking of obscure movies, you know, you say that Tim Curry was the best-looking devil, mm-hmm. and yet Will Smith played the devil in A Winter's Tale, and you didn't shout that one out. I mm. don't think I saw that. Well, if you like crazy things, watch uh, A Winter's Tale. Is it zany? Oh, it's insane. I'm in. Yeah, it's convoluted and insane and weird and just a total mess. When did that come out? Oh, boy, maybe 2015 or something, 14? Somewhere in there? I can't even yeah. picture this. Who's in it besides Will Smith? Colin Farrell is the star. What? I love yeah. Colin Russell Farrell. Russell Crowe is in it. Yeah. What? Keep giving me more guys yeah. I love. Well, uh, Akiva Goldsman uh, writes it. Uh, he's a producer on the new Star Trek series. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Tying it all back. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to watch this movie with my favorite men on Valentine's Day. <laughs> <clears throat> Not us, right? No. I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Tom Cruise and Will Smith are coming to your apartment? <laughs> oh, my God. The world would never hear the end of it if that actually happened. <laughs> they would be like, I would be blocked by everybody on Twitter if Will Smith ever came around me. That would be I believe it. pretty much the storyline for the rest of my life was the one time I met Will Smith. Yeah. <laughs> one day. Yeah. So, um, hmm, I kind of don't want to talk about movies again because I kind of... Fair enough. We did but a lot. But let's talk about movies oh, okay. again because... Okay. Um, now I'm not a huge Academy Award guy. Yeah. I kind of, my whole... Because RoboCop didn't win? Well, that and uh, The Shape of Water won. Oh, okay. Where they're like, hey, do you like science fiction? I'm like, I like science fiction. They're like, hey, do you like the creatures from the Guillermo del Toro universe? I'm like, I like those. Like, how about Hellboy? I was like, I liked Hellboy. And they're like, how about we take the fish guy and put him in a drama and he has sex with a girl Right. And you never see his fish wiener. Do you, do you know who played uh, Fish Wiener Man? Saru. Yeah. yeah. From, uh, Doug Jones from Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. That's why you got these Star Trek podcasters on, Dale. <laughs> yeah. 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 So my girlfriend, she actually watched that last night. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. She uh, she was put off. Is that why you're dressed like a fish man now? <laughs> 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 You've been in the bathtub or recording while you're in the bathtub? Uh, <laughs> um, these mics do hide the bubbles. <laughs> Waterproof. Well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, she, she found it a little, uh, she found the sex stuff off putting. Okay. Well, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not talking about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually if you're going to watch a woman have sex with an animal, you don't tell people you watch that video ever. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. No, yeah. <laughs> Let's just let's just erase that because I, I didn't. I say cannot that. follow you down that path, <laughs> yeah. right, Dale. <laughs> All right, uh, I but uh, I respect you guys for leaving me on that path yeah. by myself. Yeah, yeah. You can die yeah. on that hill alone. <laughs> Your guys' sense of self-defense is amicable. <laughs> but I thought you know, Shape of Water. I thought it dealt with that subject kind of tastefully and humorously, or uh, not humorously, uh, like with some good humor. I don't know, like I could totally. Play it off. Like, I didn't think it was a big deal, but people really did get out of sorts about it. So, yeah. you know, whatever. Well, my whole thing was, I liked it. Uh, you yeah. know, I enjoyed the movie. It's probably a good movie, but it shouldn't win Picture of the Year. Yeah. I think I think the narrative at the time, though, was it was Guillermo's year. Mm-hmm. And mm. if you look at who the only other contender was at that point was uh, three billboards outside uh, Ebbing, Missouri. And that generated a lot of controversy uh, as well leading up to it. So 
you know, there it just kind of fell into that spot more than anything else with regards to best picture. But isn't that the case with all best pictures? It's all about politics. Yeah, absolutely. You know yes. what wins. So. And a lot of it, like the, the more and more I follow what's going on this year with mm-hmm. the Academy Awards, the more and more I, I just think it, it's coming down to like who's doing a the best campaigning more mm-hmm. than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of disappointing, but it, it's just it's been part of the business. I, I think mostly so for like the last you know twenty plus years, and again tying it back to maybe the Weinstein's that were so, the ones that really kind of pioneered the way it's done now. I just want to kind of hold you there, just because I don't think our audience. Well, I don't want to make them sound like they don't know stuff. But if the guests are boring, I don't. <laughs> the audience, no, no, I, I, just, I, I have no I just want to touch on the campaigning yeah. thing because sure. there's a lot of people who watch the Oscars who don't know basically what goes on behind the scenes yeah how convoluted it is to actually get your movies in for being voted oh yeah so i'm gonna go through my understanding of what the campaigning process is as an academy member yourself tell us what and feel free to jump in because i know i'm gonna be wrong already so (laughs) have we held back yet dale (laughs) (laughs) valid point the non-stop robocop jokes (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those are jokes? I thought you guys were just appreciating my <laughs> yeah, love for no. RoboCop. So for a movie to get considered for the Oscars, they have to show in a certain amount of theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have to go for a certain length of time? Like do they have like to in be, terms of a runtime of the movie? Yeah. No, like a runtime in, theaters, in for a theaters. No, they can just play it before the end of the year in a few theaters yeah. just to get it eligible. And – uh, up until recently, it was pretty much if your movie was in theaters in the last quarter of the year, it had a way better shot of winning. Very true. Oscars. And then so that's what I know. And I know there's more to it than that. Like you have to present it to the Look, Academy. Th- there, there are literally luncheons where like mm-hmm. actors and directors will go and just rub elbows with members of the Academy just to get votes going on. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have somebody like Glenn Close. Uh, she looks to be the front runner for Best Actress for a movie no one has seen. Like, no one has seen The Wife at all. But yeah. um, she's mm-hmm. got momentum, and she is doing a lot of this campaigning very well. Meanwhile, the big you know, uh, you know, know, rival for this would be Olivia Colman. She's off in England right now. She's filming uh, The Queen uh, or The Crown for Netflix, so she mm-hmm. can't do this campaigning. So oh, yeah. this is what I'm getting at when I'm, I'm kind of mm-hmm. complaining a little bit about how much the campaigning can actually influence you know, the end results here. Yeah. I'm not saying – like I have yet to see The Wife only because I've, I've not been able to find any movie theaters playing it. But I, I have no doubt she gave a fantastic performance, but like I'm very doubtful about – the sheer number of people that maybe saw her in that versus the movie The Favorite, which Olivia Colman uh, was in. I uh, um, also haven't watched The Wife yet. And Neither have I. That makes three of us. Yeah, so because it hasn't been in a theater. It's because it sounds boring. Actually, it, like from what <laughs> I hear, though, like the the first, at least the first, uh, you know, half of it is just like quite exciting. Like oh yeah, like a. Uh, Real a lot zip. of car chases. Yeah, <laughs> I think this whole po- in a snowplow. The, the theme of this podcast is you guys convincing me to watch more movies and more I thought movies. were yeah. too boring to watch. But we should say the reason we brought up the Academy Awards is something that it's actually sparked a ton of outrage yeah. more than actually I think some of the other stories we've talked about. Yeah, which is that the telecast that's on ABC they announced this year. ABC's kind of lost their minds. Mm-hmm. The Academy Awards are their highest rated 
event of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. It was always seen as kind of second to the Super Bowl. Ratings have been dropping over the years steadily. Um, there's a lot more options now. People can watch Netflix, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. A lot of the movies they nominate for picture are movies that are independent films that a lot of people haven't seen. You know, there's a whole bunch of factors that mm-hmm. would lower ratings. And it's incredibly pretentious. Sure. Yeah. It's all about Hollywood celebrating itself, mm-hmm. which like, a lot of people what? don't want. Twenty years ago, you know, it was. I, I don't think the pretension has uh, dissipated at all or amplified. It's just it's just different viewing habits for people. Yeah. And that's why mm-hmm. ratings. Are down and I, Cam, I, you're you're getting at something though. Yeah, here. is there so, so ABC is trying to combat dropping ratings, mm-hmm. and so what they're doing essentially is what it you know started a while ago where they announced they were going to give out a best like popular film award. Yeah, and then they walked that back. Yeah, it's like everyone was like, "That's ridiculous." You just give it to the most successful movie of the year, and I they're think like, "They should do that." I mean, we can talk about that in a sec, but you know, they definitely you know kind of pulled that one back and said, oh, okay, we're going to rework this. And yeah. they said they were going to not have any of the song nominees performed on the show. People got out of sorts about that. And then they were like, oh, actually, we're going to do all the nominees. And then just the other day, they announced that four of the awards are not going to be aired in the telecast. Um, they're going to be done on the commercial breaks. And that's for cinematography, editing. Whoa, cinematography. Hair and makeup. That's kind of a big Yeah. Wow, hair and makeup. And, uh, and live action short. And, you know... The thing is, three of those at least are like the fundamentals of filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. right there at the core, you know, parts that really should matter. Speaking of Guillermo but, del Toro, uh, he had a great tweet talking about how cinematography and editing look, th- there's costume design in theater, there's renting yeah. in theater. Yeah. None of that exists outside of, you know, like cinema. So, that mm-hmm. why, how can you excise that from like the Oscars? It, it's just kind of a devastating. Real, just slap in the face. Yeah, the cinematography and hair and makeup is that's ridiculous. Like getting rid of the live action short, yeah, whatever. I don't care, but hair and makeup is one of the things I care about the most because, like we were talking about, yeah, Yeah. and the whole talking about the devil from thirty years ago. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like those are things. It's a personal one for me because I probably remember like how creatures look, like aliens, and then pumpkin head, and then like. Terminator and RoboCop. Like, yeah, yeah. These are all like you think of the movie. The first thing you think of is how the characters look. And yeah. I always like like the fantasy science fiction characters. So that's a lot more hair and makeup. So if they're not like I'm just every time I hear something, I'm always like, what's the worst case scenario in the future? And if they don't air the hair and makeup on live TV, maybe people start caring about it less then maybe right. Dale gets to see less awesome creatures sure and then maybe Pacific Rim 3 doesn't get made uh, <laughs> that one I'm willing to let go but oh, I um, had you guys but it, you know they've said they're gonna you know not sh- they're gonna show brief clips of the speeches you know at, at later down the show they're gonna edit them down but to me it's just like disrespectful to pick four of them yeah but you know, Mark Harris, who's an Oscar blogger, um, yeah. pointed out – he made a very good point. He said these are all categories, all four of them, that have no nominees from Disney. Disney mm. owns ABC, which airs the show. And it's like – Maybe that's a little slap on the wrist from yeah. Disney. Like, hey, you can't just not nominate us. There's a lot of question marks surrounding wow. it. People are really, really angry about this. And ultimately, it's like what is the point – you know, they, they are just convinced that the Oscar show is – this you know out of out of like control mess that they have to somehow mm-hmm. completely revise and it's like look people have been watching Are, the Oscars forever and it's always kind of been the same thing. Is it, but do you think there's like some you know 
viewers out there that are going to hear about all these changes and want to watch it and no. want to watch it. No, no, no. exactly. No. So what 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 are they doing other than kind of desecrating what makes the Oscars the Oscars? And yeah. believe me, I think there are some very obvious things you could do to make the Oscars telecast better. Hack out all the terrible jokes. Like <laughs> all the speeches. Well, like or just like <laughs> some of these dumb things like watching, you know, the the host like drone on and on with like these lame ga- gig or gags that mm-hmm. they they often do. And it's just kind of like, you know what? That'll take away 25 minutes right there. You right. know, just get it going. Um maybe instead of 14 montages, I I could live with two. Mm-hmm. Two montages will work, you know? Like that sort of stuff. Like there, there's simple things that yeah. still honor what it's all about while making it a little bit zippier. But honestly, Kim, you and I discussed this before. Why can't we just have one night of three hours plus sure. uh, just celebrating cinema? Like why yeah. can't we just have that? Like I, I would love to do that, but somehow we're made to feel as if it's just like this kind of losing game yeah. to – want to be invested in this and i don't know it just to me it's just so silly and it's pointless and i think it's going to backfire on the academy and i wonder what they're going to have to do to regroup for next year and and try to revise because next year is going to be a very different oscars than the one that we get this year and you know the you know one of the movies nominated is black panther which was like the biggest hit of the year and i'm sure they're like well that's going to bring in numbers but, okay, so let's say it brings in a whole bunch of people to watch the Oscars. I don't think it will, but let's just say it does because <laughs> they're like, I love Black Panther. I want to see Black Panther win Best Picture. It ain't going to win Best Picture. It's not even up for director or script. It's going to be, you know, Roma is the front runner right now. I don't think any of these people are going to be, you know, oh, wow, I'm so glad I watched the Oscars where the movie I loved didn't win, you know, anything really substantial. I could see Black Panther winning. Because there's been so many Marvel Studios movies. It's the Marvel Studios 10-year. It's uh, owned by just, Disney. But um, just the way the, acad- it, the Academy voting like, works, there's zero chance that'll, but that'll win. It might be like when the third Lord of the Rings movie won something. It's kind of like, okay, we'll give you one for all your work on all these movies. It'll kind of be like... I know what you mean. your like feel-good... I think the difference, though, is that while Lord of the Rings was fantasy, it was mm-hmm. very much old school epics, mm-hmm. which the elder, you know, and there's a lot of elderly members of the Academy yeah. could wrap their heads around. They are not sitting through these Marvel movies, like making like Heidner hair of them. Like my yeah. dad watches these, these Marvel movies. They put him to sleep. He has no idea what's going on half the time Yeah, because it's just like, so, you know, it's gotten convoluted and it's great for, you know, like, you know, like the audiences that are really into this stuff and can keep track of all these plot points, especially younger audiences mm-hmm. now raised on all these serialized television who have to keep track of all these plot points on shows yeah. like Game of Thrones or Walking Dead or whatever. Um, Robocop the series. <laughs> sure, Robocop the series, yeah. But, you know, in older generations, they are not as won over by this stuff. Could this be – do you think the uh, Oscars might just kind of abandon the older generation as sort of like – trying to appeal to the newer generation like i think they want to yeah like maybe i was being like presumptuous and saying that black panther might win but right. if they were gonna draw a line in the sand and be like this isn't the old oscars anymore we're not pretentious we care about what people like maybe they got rid of they didn't have the popular movie because they wanted to just put something like this in like Personally, I don't even think Black Panther's the best Marvel movie. Neither do I. But, but it did get a lot of buzz, and it was like heralded as like a racial milestone because it gave everybody a chance to have their own hero. And 
I'm. Did it even do? It did really well at the oh, box office. Oh, incredibly well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Highest grossing movie of the year. I think it made seven hundred million dollars domestically. Yeah. So, if I was in charge of the Oscars and they were like, "We got to get more people watching. We got to do this," I would throw in a dark horse like the Black Panther and vote it to win because if it wins, everybody's it's going to cause an uproar and everybody's going to be like, "Oh my God, did you watch the Oscars? Can you believe yeah. Black Panther won?" Right. Like <clears throat> the person who's in charge of the Oscars doesn't get to make that decision like that's yeah. the problem it all comes down to the voters right if and i was in charge <laughs> of the oscars <laughs> no. i mean ultimately black panther is triumph the academy yeah. award isn't going to do anything you no. know this movie has it'll, yeah it'll make way more money now <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're doing free screenings recently like they don't even care about the money at this yeah. point because they've already made so much but black panther has done as much as it can do it's done all the best stuff it you know money talks right mm-hmm. and this movie made more than anything else domestically Suddenly, studios are going to be looking a lot more at making diverse films yeah. mm-hmm. that they wouldn't have made otherwise. And, you know, people can look at it as like, well, Hollywood's really learning lessons that, you know, they really mean something to them. Mm-hmm. No. They see how much this is worth. And ultimately, that's the, the way it works with any trend or anything that, you know, becomes popular within film is, oh, my God, people want to see this. Let's give it to them. Yeah. You know, like Wonder Woman was a big hit a couple years ago. And now you're getting a lot more female-oriented act- or female-driven action movies. Great. It gives a lot more variety to just across the whole landscape. And Black Panther is going to do that too. So, you know what? A golden award, like, whatever. It doesn't legitimize the movie. It's already le- uh, legitimized. I think I'm not saying for it to legitimize Black Panther. I'm saying mm. to draw in this like, audience that they're sure. bleeding. Like, I, I don't think it'll ever happen. Here, let's say they win. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's going to be at the very end of the night. Like, yeah. It, like mm-hmm. audiences aren't going to be tuning in. I was thinking a- after more they win. And are they going to tune it? Are they going to tune in next year when Black Panther isn't nominated? Yeah, exactly. I if Black Panther wins this year, it would be the first time a movie won that I would want to watch the next year. Like, okay. I'm talking for me personally, like because I was saying Shape of Water won last year. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't want to watch that, so I don't care. You about just want to reenact it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like. Usually it's a musical or it's, it's just something that I have no interest in. Yeah. But like I said, Black Panther wasn't even really my favorite Marvel movie. But if it does win, that tells me that, oh, you, ha- you have a reason to come back to the Oscars. But then what happens if we get to next year's Oscar nominations and it's nothing but foreign films that you've never seen and never heard of that are nominated? Mm. Are, are you still tuning in? Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. Because – if they give me Black Panther or an action movie or a superhero movie, yeah. then I'll be like, okay, they gave me what I wanted. I'll watch next year. I mean, honestly, I think um, in was it the Oscars in 2016, I think Mad Max mm-hmm. Fury Road had a better shot at a Best Picture than Black Panther does now. Yeah. yeah. It was also a much better movie, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mad Max Fury Road was awesome. Shiny and chrome. You know what? Maybe I re- won't rewatch RoboCop, and I'll watch Mad Max instead. Hey, it's a little I, better. <laughs> I, I like the way you're thinking now. Yeah. <laughs> um. Do you guys – okay. Do you guys want to just make this a full movie episode? It's up to you. Go nuts, whatever you'd like. Yeah, I mean, the only thing else to talk about would be – Whatever Trump did, and I don't want to touch that because did he see any movies uh, recently? <laughs> it was cold good. pursuit. Huge. <laughs> uh, f- it was real cold. Yeah, the running theme. Not enough pursuing. <laughs> <laughs> the running theme of our podcast is we don't want to talk about Trump. Then we talk about Trump. So yeah. I'm just 
not going to talk about Trump. Hey, Derek's not here, so exactly, yeah. he's the problem. <laughs> he's the huge <laughs> Trump fan. I hate Trump. Well, every time I see him, it's he's got his red mega cat, <laughs> yeah. uh, mega cap on. I'm just like, wow, okay, yeah. weird man. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he'll hate that. <laughs> Why does he keep wearing it then? <laughs> yeah. Is it to go up against your top knot? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason D- Dale doesn't wear one is he doesn't want to hide the top yeah. knot. Derek bought me the hat to cover my top knot, but oh, then he okay. fell in love with how much people reacted to them him them seeing him mm. wear the hat and being like, "I Got like it. that hat, good sir. Yeah. It's a very well nice hat. We should make America great again." You're right. <laughs> you can always cut a hole in the top of it, you know. The top knot will come oh, through. Yeah. I'm sure someone's done that somewhere. <laughs> Dale, were you ever one of those guys that had a little ponytail sticking out the back of the cap at that little hole there? Hell no. Do you mean like the rat's tail? Kind of. You know You know how some guys will have like a ponytail, yeah. and then they'll put it through the little hole in the back of the hat, right. so, you know, and they'll walk around like that very I'm, seriously. I'm very anti-man bun, and I've never had a ponytail. Yeah. I did have a Devon Sawa bowl cut down, oh. to, down to the jawline in grade nine. And then I cut my hair short, and I was like, oh, my God. And then I could never grow it back because it's just a pain <laughs> in the ass. And Devin Sawa's not even famous anymore, so there's no point in looking You're like You're still him. talking about him. Yeah. That's true. That was my one claim to fame. I was 16. Talking about Devin Sawa? <laughs> no. I went to a mall in, I think it was Kamloops, and some girl I don't know was like, you look like Devin Sawa. Oh, no, really? I was, I was. I had to be 14 because it was grade 9. And uh, let me tell you, when girls tell you something that on you looks good, you kind of just change your whole life right. to get more of that when you're a young man. Right. So I probably should grow. Yeah, I think I'll grow a bowl cut I again. feel like appealing to the Devin Sawa fan demographic yeah, is a very small right. demographic. Very small. Hmm. It's kind of like the Andrew Keegan demographic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Keegan. Didn't he become like a cult leader or something? So, yeah, yeah, something weird went down with him. Yeah, That's I think he right. runs like a sex cult. And he has a parrot. I, d- I mostly know him from like my sister's like bedroom with like nothing but like JTT posters. Sure. And <laughs> the funniest thing is, though, is it's like, uh, you know, like my sister's like a lesbian. So like we're always kind of like uh, wondering like why – did you have all these like boy posters? Like, well, I don't want to sound like some old guy, yeah, who's close-minded. But those fellas on her wall kind of a little femmy. I think what it really was though is just kind of like at that age, you know, like you're doing what your friends are doing and you're going yeah. with it. And then also like at that age, if you're like 13, 14, are you really anything at that right. point? You know, wait, are you telling still me nothing. that yeah. JTT? <laughs> Is the gateway to lesbianism? No, nah, I, I think that's what you're saying here. Uh, uh, my, well, my, my sister would uh, wholeheartedly disagree, but uh, my it, sister was a big JTT fan, so yeah. that hasn't okay. proven she true. In her t- no, she's oh, not. Okay. So that hasn't proven true. Huh. Let's so. p- let's quickly poll the audience of Home Improvement and see how many of them turned into lesbians because of JTT. Okay. Yeah. Well, I. Th- you get on that and let us know how it turned out. <laughs> I'll, I'll Zachary Ty Bryan. <laughs> I'm trying to get the number for Zachary Ty Bryan. <laughs> yeah, next week's podcast will yeah. be about my poll because <laughs> yeah. of all the outrage it caused. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you guys want to talk about Woody Allen a sec? Or uh, we'll touch on that because uh, he was in the news uh, recently. Yeah. He, I, I wonder how much of this kind of 
falls into some of the same territory we covered with the Brian Singer stuff. So I think it's a lot of the same themes that we're getting at, right? Yeah, it's it's basically. Oh, what's the new What's the news this week? Um, he's suing Amazon for sixty eight million because they he had a contract with them for four films and then an allegation of sexual abuse against his daughter Dylan Farrell from nineteen ninety two resurfaced. So Amazon did the typical Me Too thing, and they're like, we don't want to touch this guy. We're getting rid of it. I, I think a big issue, though, is like when he signed on to all of this, it was under another regime over at Amazon, mm-hmm. and the new regime comes in, and they're like, why are we sitting here with Woody Allen on our hands when there's just nothing but controversy swirling around this guy? This is why you're this on guy. the podcast, because I didn't know that the regime changed in Amazon. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it goes back to a lot of, I think, the stuff that we're addressing with Brian Singer, and it's just like, how many more people want to have to do these press tours where yeah. y- you have to address these very very credible allegations against somebody but the other thing is it, it's like it, it's difficult for me because like i there, there's a lot of woody allen movies i really really like genuinely love yeah you and i have talked about crimes and misdemeanors a yeah, lot and you know? i mean i love manhattan or so, any hall there's a lot of great movies he's made you, but you've got but this like the, the artist tainting his legacy and it, and then it, it has the impact on on me as the viewer and like how how do you separate the art from the artist yeah, exactly. and i think that's a very you know difficult and, and for some of these artists you know i they have been forever tainted in my mind by mm-hmm. the, uh, the me too movement and or like and ones like roman polanski you know oh, it's know. like you know chinatown is still great but it's tough to remove the knowledge of roman you, polanski you from the movie have that thought yeah. as you watch this yeah, yeah, or you hear like Stanley Kubrick was a terrible person to work with, and he terrorized yeah. his actors. And you're like, oh, I did love his movies. Like that's not the same because that's not really against the law or predatory. And I, it's like it's very hard because you got you love these movies from your childhood and from before your childhood. Like mm-hmm. Woody Allen's been making movies since what the 60s, 70s, yeah, 60s, yeah, yeah. So you have like this huge catalog of movies, and you've loved them so dearly. And then you find out the guy's like a creep, and you're like, uh, do I have to pretend I don't like these? Does my aversion for him, is it strong enough to taint these movies themselves? There's also the problem with Woody Allen in that, like, you know, Roman Polanski, just you know, an example, you know, like, you can watch movies like Chinatown or The Pianist, and you might be able to divorce yourself from the from the fact that it's a Roman Polanski, mm-hmm. you know, like you don't, you don't necessarily tie his personality to to his work yeah. as much. But it's like Woody Allen is front and center, you know, so many of his movies. Yeah, half of he his... is on screen, and yeah. when he's not, he casts actors to play basically his avatars. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, where you have like you know Owen Wilson or Larry David playing avatars of Woody Allen, and so it's like. Even when you're watching the movie, the Woody Allen presence is there right in front of you so much of the yeah. time. The, the weirdest avatar was Andrew Dice Clay in uh, <laughs> Blue Jasmine. I don't know, Jason Biggs is a little strange, too. <laughs> I've watched all of these movies. Wow. <laughs> I haven't even seen them all. I mean, I saw Woody Allen makes, like, or used to make, you know, so many movies. Like a, a movie or two a year. Yeah. yeah. Like, eh. I think I saw the one where he was a robot. I saw half Oh, of Sleeper. It. Yeah, yeah okay. I saw yeah, most yeah. of Sleeper. And then I think I just randomly saw a peppering of his like mm-hmm. ones from the mid 90s to late 2000s. Right. And I'm the wrong person to ask because if they're like you can't watch Woody Allen movies anymore, I'd be like mm. I mean, the thing is Woody Allen is now I think 83 years old. 
it's fine. Just shuffle them off. Six like, uh, and you know, I I do give um I do give um them you know the studio points for being willing to take the financial risk you know to over this broken deal just to not have to deal yeah. with him. Yeah. You know, because I think it would have been so easy for them to be like, okay, you know, we'll just kind of drop the movie. But mm-hmm. they, you know, because he, he has a movie called A Rainy Day in New York uh, with Timothy Chalamet, I believe, and Jude Law that's just sitting on a shelf. Yeah. And they're not putting it out. You know, the agreement was, you know what, they were going to maybe wait till things calm down and put it out in 2019. They're yeah. not going to now. They yeah. don't want to. Whenever you hear from these actors though yeah i think this yeah i think this is maybe the most interesting point of the woody allen story is how many actors they're like i i never knew about these allegations they keep claiming this and i'm like you've got to be kidding me like we knew about them as kids yes just from like shows like the simpsons or the critic would reference yeah just the fact that he married his ex's uh adopted daughter whom he had known since she was a child yeah yeah, you know, that's like, gross. That's very strange. And and in the movie Manhattan, he pl- he cast himself as a character having a relationship with a seventeen-year-old, yeah. which was based on a real-world event. Yeah. So <laughs> and so it's, it's like, just, yeah. and I, I also think it's at a point where it's like these actors, like y- you got no excuse right now. Do you yeah. really want to, uh, you know, put yourself out there and have kind of be part and parcel of this controversy that's swirling around, like? How great would it be? I don't know if it'd be great, but if an actor like Jude Law was like, "Look, I know he's a creep, but I'm not getting any movies right now." And when a legend like Woody Allen asks you, you say yes. I do think that you are part of that is very accurate. When mm-hmm. a legend like Woody Allen says, "Do you want to do the movie?" they say yes. I think that's kind of always been a bit of the yeah, you know, the theme with a lot of these big actors because it's not like Woody Allen movies pay a lot. It's not like mm-hmm. he's like, "Here's twenty million dollars to be in," you know. I, moonlight uh what was it magic in the moonlight or something i, I, I think he's known to literally pay people like guild minimums yeah like they're, they're mm-hmm. just doing it because they want to work with woody allen yeah. yeah and it looks great on your resume like yeah well it did look great on your resume well, yeah. it is yeah. i mean if you're a professional actor it's kind of like the tick mm-hmm. box you know it's like yes yeah. i did a woody allen movie yeah and you know now it's like yeah i did a woody allen movie yeah. <laughs> great and yeah it's like yeah, because there's going to be like a year. They'll probably be like maybe arbitrarily put a year where it was okay to be in a Woody Allen movie before this year. And then after that, it's like diminishing returns. Like, say, like 2013. You're like, ooh. That's the last bad. good one he made, the last good yeah. movie he made. But yeah, I mean, but even at that point, Kate Blanchett was getting difficult questions yeah. asked mm-hmm. of her yeah, on exactly. the, when she was doing her Oscar campaigning. Yeah. So. You know, I, I again, he's 83 years old. There was a profile actually that came out fairly recently. You should Google it. It was an interview with uh, Sunyi uh, Previn, who is his, you know, now wife. Yeah. And it was kind of like a fairly lengthy just discussion with her about their life together and all that. Honestly, it just sounds like Woody Allen's just out of it at this point. He just yeah. seems completely so far removed from from society that it's like this is not a guy who. I feel like has a lot to contribute to, you know, messages he'd be putting in his films at this yeah, point. Like, it's like, you know what? Sh- just shuffle them off. I don't think anything's ever going to get resolved with these allegations. Mm-hmm. He's never going to wind up in court or anything like that. But we don't need him out there anymore. Yeah, like, you d- like, do you really want to see Woody Allen make another movie at age, age 85? Like, I, mean, not, I haven't seen the last, like, three or four. There's so. not much left in the can. Like, he's not yeah. working, like... I have this muse that the world needs to see. Like, that's already done because he's had, like, so many movies. One thing I do want to mention is this is kind of the first Me Too where 
the guy who gets me to is striking back. Like he's suing them for 68 million. Right. And whether he gets that money or not, is this going to open the door for other people who, I think there's been other attempts. So I, 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 and uh, again, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong out there. I, I don't want to get sued by anything. That's my motto. But I, I think there have been efforts by, say, Brett Ratner, as mm-hmm. well as, say, Jeremy Piven to strike back. And mm-hmm. oftentimes when these you know accusations come out, there's a lot of these male actors that they, they go on the offensive and they try to uh, you know uh, cut away the credibility of these very credible Accusers. Weinstein's done that. Yeah. yeah. And they're typically, well, the Weinstein stuff is like even more disgusting because this is like a uh, a rich white dude, and the women that he's targeting to go on the offensive, they all seem to be women of color that Mm -hmm. he is fighting back against the hardest, which is just like, oh, good God. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a mire. I'm more thinking along the lines of not trying to attack the credibility of the accusations, but be like, well, even if I did do it, you, we signed a contract. Give me my money. Like, I think you're going to see in the future a lot of clauses added to contracts. Mm. The Woody Allen obviously didn't have that at the time. Yeah, but I think in the future there will be you know behavioral clauses or something like, where mor- it's like morality, like yeah, clauses, morality right? clause. Yeah, the where it's thing like with Weinstein was he had those in his contracts where it was like every like there was like a ramping up effect of every time he got sued for sexual harassment there would be a cash lump sum he'd yeah. have to pay the studios. And that's that's even more disturbing if you think about that. Yeah. Like they were complicit in the fact that they're like, well, we don't care what you're doing as long as if you get caught, we get a payday. Yeah. Or we get some of our investment back in case it affects the movie. Yeah. Like hopefully this whole thing will kind of take maybe some of the industry out of the industry type of deal where like i mean these types you know a lot of them are in that industry because they could find people to prey upon Mm -hmm. uh they'll always exist Mm -hmm. they will find other avenues to find people but you know hopefully at least in the in the short term the hollywood can kind of deal with its baggage and make it a better working environment for everyone there yeah good final thought i think we should end it there because and just have it as a whole outrage with hollywood episode i, I like this theme here yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i it's mean really the only thing that maybe cam and i could agree on that we we feel like we're both like uh somewhat like knowledgeable sure. about so if we yeah. can bring that to listeners give it a bit of a themed episode i don't know i think it's fun yeah I, it's it's kind of fun because usually i feel bad that i don't know much about star trek and you guys school me with information about that now it's just basically the whole film industry in general that you guys know so much about that i don't we really spend way too much <laughs> money going to movies and, and watching movies i should probably stop watching robocop and maybe well, watch some of these boring movies I, i'm glad you <laughs> brought up robocop again yeah. for what feels like the ten thousandth time i'm <laughs> i'm fascinated by this love of robocop but i am curious i have a question for you mm-hmm. how do you feel about the fact they're remaking robocop again are they going to have the same actor who did the last no. remake? No. Oh, they are starting over from scratch. Great. Neil Blomkamp is doing it. He did District 9, Ooh, as well as a lot I of like other Neil movies Blomkamp. that disappointed people. What was the... Uh, what Chappie? Was, is that what you're thinking of? Is Chappie the Charlton one where... Hopefully as a RoboCop? I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> I, I oh, think that'd be wow. pretty bad. He'd be, a, he'd be a better as a villain. I think if you look yeah. at his villain perf- uh, performance in Elysium, 
he is out of his mind crazy oh, in that. Totally. And I would, I would love to see him as a RoboCop villain. I do think Charles Copley's a bit old to play RoboCop. Do you think they go yeah. with an unknown or like a young I mean, up and coming? Oh, what's that guy? The guy from uh, Whiplash. Miles Teller? He hasn't been in anything lately. He's but in uh, Top Gun 2. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah. I think if they put him that in that and Top Gun 2 and Fantastic Four, that might just put the nail, final nail in the coffin. Uh, I don't career. know if you have to worry about Fantastic Four anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think that one's done. No, yeah. I mean like putting him in that right. movie kind of irreparably harmed his career. Here's the question. Does any actor of major, major note want to play RoboCop? I don't know why you would. Well, I would, but I'm not <laughs> a major actor. I mean, it's going to be the next Mission Impossible movie. It's, it'll be a crossover. Tom Cruise. Yeah, like, Tom Cruise is getting RoboCop. Yeah. He doesn't have to get RoboCop. He's already RoboCop. I mean, I'm a huge fan of RoboCop, and I'll love that just because the source material is so great. Like, there's so many ways to go. Like, you get a cop. He's a good cop. He gets betrayed. He turns into half robot, half cop. Like, winner every time. I don't every time? Every <laughs> Yeah, every time. Okay, fair enough. I'll say it. I haven't watched a RoboCop movie I didn't like. Okay. Let's put it like that. There's some I liked more than others. Sure. But yeah, there's not one I haven't liked. Like, yeah, I think gone are the days where you get like say Sylvester Stallone in Judge Dredd or something like that where you have a major a-lister mm -hmm. in a movie that is kind of on the outskirts and is kind of the fringe type of movie. Like I don't even, I wouldn't even classify RoboCop in the same sort of realm as superhero movies. Cause those are right. Already turned themselves around and they're like beloved by everybody now. So yeah, I'm with you as much as I want a young stud up and comer to be in RoboCop. I don't see it happening. I, I mean, see maybe, that's kind of known. Yeah, like Joel Kinnaman played him in the the, the remake you liked, yeah. and I mean, Joel Kinnaman, he's fine. I I haven't seen any of his TV work. I think you have. Have you, oh, Tyler? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, oh, what? Have I, you not seen The Killing? Yeah, I'm not a big I, TV I, guy. I think uh, The Killing was a really sh profoundly shitty show, but I, I thought uh, Joel Kinnaman uh, was excellent. He was actually the one thing I, I watched the first season. I thought his biggest like example of just horrible tv writing that it just and the showrunner seems so oblivious to what made her show so horrible but it was like it was a phenomenon for that at least that first season did you watch the second season no i i thought it was a piece of garbage See, I, I was... and i could tell based on who was running it uh mm. that it wasn't going to there's nothing they could do to make me want to tune in anymore the show did exceptionally well on Netflix, though, and it actually got revived on Netflix after it was canceled uh, on AMC. But I loved The Killing. Uh, and and a, I lot, think, a lot of people did. I a lot of people did. it kind of redeemed itself with season two. There's actually, like, I look back at The Killing, and that, like, there's a part where um, there's a husband and wife arguing, and then the wife would, wife like— played by Michelle Forbes, who played one Ensign Rolaren on Star yeah. Trek The Next yeah. Generation. And she's leaving him— and he's like, what are you doing? And she says something like, I deserve to be happy. And he's just like scoffs. He's like, happy? Nobody gets to be happy. And it was just like such a defining moment for just like, I guess, a jaded husband who's given up and settled. And it's kind of like the whole thing, like the killing is it, it is dark and it does make you, it doesn't 
reinvigorate your zest for life. You're just like, oh, stuff's terrible. Like it's like I get that in my day to day life. (laughs) (laughs) And I wouldn't say watch the killing because neither would I. If you're not into it, you're not into it. And that's fine. But Altered Carbon is amazing. And it is science fiction. That's another show I hated. Oh, really? (laughs) I thought the writing was incomprehensible. Like I like I watched the first two episodes Mm -hmm. and I like I would like I just I was just like, huh? Like, I just found the writing just really terrible on that. Mm, but he has so many muscles. And he takes well, I, look, I think it was, visual, so it was visually memorizing. And I, I think what The Killing had going for it as well is it was very effective at setting sort of uh, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It, and I, I think Altered Carbon did that as well. But for me, I just could not invest in any of the stuff that was going on in either one of these series. So you're not going to watch Altered Carbon Season 2? It doesn't have Joel Kinnaman in it, which I'm pretty bummed no, about. No, I, I, uh, I, I can say with all certainty I will not be continuing <laughs> on with that. Any other shows that you want to feel bad about uh, <laughs> that you really love and you're going to have me be well, like mansplaining? Uh, right now I'm watching Night Flyers, and I do want you to watch that, but I can, now you're I scared to. I, I, I may ruin it. it. I don't yeah. know if you like it or not. Like I'm getting my problem is I'm getting a hard re- hard to read what you would like and what you dislike. Mm, okay. So I can't really recommend shows to you because I don't know if you'd like or hate them. So maybe like everybody who oh yeah because we talked about it and you said you don't really like horror right. Not not a big horror. There's horror movies that I like, but I'm not a horror uh, a horror a- aficionado. Oh yeah, and uh, this is like I this mean, is the, like space based horror, and there's a lot of space crazy in it. I'll just say this, and, and not to rain on your parade. Yeah, uh, we're gonna leave on such a profound note, and then now <laughs> we've gotten uh, in, into this. But um, the the reviews for uh, this are, are pretty bad. So, for night flyers, yeah. So, which is why I'm probably not going to get around. Yeah, I could see what so. how they would be bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, like because from what we've talked about, like on, St- on Star Trek and stuff, you do dislike space crazy, and yeah, space I also madness. dislike it. But for some reason, night flyers is pretty heavily dependent on like telepathy and space crazy, and it might be too much and that might actually be why you don't like horror as much as some people because it does rely a lot on like people's unwinding and them going crazy uh, look i mean yeah a lot of the time but look i the last halloween movie that came out i, I thought that was great you know mm, you know i didn't see it that i i would recommend that to you okay so the man, the man who loves remakes didn't watch halloween <laughs> uh, does that count as a remake i thought well, that was it's not a remake it's you know, I don't it, even know what it is. A reboot cool? Yeah, reboot cool. Like, nice. it, it, like yeah. there's really people have had a tough time defining what it yeah. is exactly. Or, I think Jamie, legacy cool. I think that's the other sure. term. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. I wa- I think the last Halloween movie I watched was H two O. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which this was is H four O time ago. Yeah, really. Yeah, 20, um, 20 years. I've never been a huge fan of Halloween though. Mm. I've always been more of a. I like my villains and monsters to be villains and monsters instead of just like a crazy guy right okay so what franchise jumps out to you then Mm, aliens okay but that's more that's kind of like science fiction light horror right uh i did really like um i was gonna say event horizon because that's what night that's probably why i like night flyer so much is because it keeps 
reminding me of Event Horizon and how much I love that. Mm-hmm. Did Tyler did did I, you I, like? I was not a big fan of it. I didn't like Event <laughs> Horizon either. Uh, sorry, I could tell just by how you were looking at me. You didn't no, want to say it. Just, it was like one it. of those movies where it's just like what are the rules of this universe there you kind of make it up anything could happen so it's hard for me to invest and for hard for me to care whereas i watch a movie like halloween that just came out and like i i did care about the characters i i I found it very tense i i thought that they were working within kind of the foundations of the horror genre but like flipping things on their head to a certain degree and you know like to me that that's what i i want to see like new innovative things in, in cinema, even if we're getting some of the familiar, and, and that's what I'm generally drawn to myself. Okay, so if you're looking for recommendations, keep all of that in mind. I will. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Do you want to tell me anything else? I love is bad. Before we go, <laughs> I, I I I only want to boost you uh, <laughs> okay. from this point on, Dan. <laughs> All right. Um, how about tell the audience a little bit about your guys's podcast? Yeah. Uh, so subspace transmissions. Can we started this what uh, coming up to five year mark? Uh, April twenty fourteen. We started it. Yeah. yeah so uh, and look, we uh, w- what's the motto? Can you you spell it out every single episode? Yeah. We every week we tackle the best, worst, weirdest, wildest, and everything in between that Star Trek has to offer. Now, what does that mean, Tyler? Well, essentially, uh, we are up to doing like all kinds of like wacky subjects that I don't think a lot of other Star Trek podcasts will tackle. One thing that you know uh, jumps to mind: uh, we we often go to these two, but uh, best musical moments, you know, uh, uh, best uh, or biggest WTF moments, like those sorts of things. I also say we're a little bit more irreverent versus some of these other podcast that i i find a little uh, no offense to anybody out there but a little a little dry a little bit more academic you, you like throwing down the gauntlet no, but, you know, star trek for uh, notice for, for listeners that listen to cam and i today i, I think we kind of gave you a, a taste of maybe what the tone is of the show to a certain degree we're we're yeah. willing to kind of um be analytical be critical but also have a lot of fun uh doing this so right now we are in the midst of watching star trek discovery season two which is airing week to week so we're doing reviews and dale you are on episode three yeah uh, point of light and uh we had a lot of fun having you on uh we got some man bun talk from you <laughs> uh, yep. which was interesting because one of the characters he came back and uh he all of a sudden has a man bun yeah so and if you don't watch discovery we've got a lot of episodes tackling everything else oh, every yeah. other every other series we I, don't uh you know just pick one or two series yeah. we do them all huge back catalog covering every single franchise even the animated series yeah and, uh, look we got the picard spinoff coming up soon so we've been doing a lot of picard coverage and there's going to be more coming down the pike uh, mm-hmm. as well pike so. pike huh <laughs> <laughs> one thing i love about your guys's podcast was i kind of i was never really a trekkie but when i was yeah. watching star trek i was kind of like off on an island like i start my love for star trek kind of came to full fruition with star trek voyager because i watched it front to back mm-hmm. and the thing I love about your podcast is I'll go and I'll listen and you guys cover old episodes of Star Trek Voyager. And that's actually how I started uh, guesting on your guys' podcast. And then I learn so much about these old Star Trek episodes like TNG, uh, Deep Space Nine, even Enterprise, where you guys will bring something up and I'll have never thought about it in that way. And you guys are familiar with not only the source material, but like 
the director, the writer, the showrunner, all the stuff that I have no idea. We have way too much time on our hands. That's <laughs> but really yeah, it. So yeah. And like, we make no money doing exactly. this. <laughs> I just want to appeal to everybody because sometimes if you're a casual Star Trekker like me, you hear about people who just go way in depth and you kind of get intimidated and backed off. And I just want to urge people to listen to your podcast because it has the opposite effect. Oh, okay. It'll kind of grow Thanks. your love for the series instead of chasing you away and make you feel like you don't know enough. I, th I think what Cam and I stick to is the idea that we we just want to make a show that the two of us would want to listen to. So I, mm. I would say that it's a very genuine show. And it, it's, you know, you can tell some people get into podcasting because they're like, I don't know. What's popular? Okay, I'll come up with a cooking podcast sure. or something like that. <laughs> or they also, I think, in terms of like film or TV yeah. or, or music or whatever, they'll decide that because they are a fan of this thing, they have to take it seriously all the time. Right. Like mm -hmm. they have to have such reverence for it. And you know what? There's a lot of goofy Star Trek episodes yeah. or, you know, whatever movie franchise. There's a lot of mm -hmm. goofy moments among, among all these things sprinkled in, you know, that you can have fun with. If you're in a, a Garth Brooks podcast, you got to talk about Chris Gaines. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. Like, that's fun. So, you know, Star Trek <laughs> offers when, when no shortage. When are you going to get to that episode on your Garth Brooks <laughs> <laughs> podcast, Cam? Should, should I even point out that I kind of liked Chris Gaines? Or is that just... I No, I, that's why you're dressed <laughs> like him today. <laughs> Soul patch enthusiast. <laughs> I was so disappointed when I finally got Spotify. I'm like straight to Chris Gaines, and it's like they scrubbed the internet. Wow, what? I couldn't find it. Well, maybe it's on there now, but I remember wow. looking for Chris Gaines and being like, I remember that one song was pretty good. And then I think what happened was Garth Brooks kind of had like, I don't know, like he did it, and then he was like, Oh, I should get rid of that. Was it kind of like Michael Jordan's baseball career where it's kind of like he does it and it's like, uh, you know what? Let's not acknowledge this ever again. Except yeah. in Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should leave on a Space Jam reference. Yeah, I, like yeah. it. I, like I think it. everybody would appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks for uh, balling, guys. Anytime. Cheers. <laughs>